moral injury is that a multi-layered thing so welcome to our podcast of what makes difference and Ali and myself are going to be talking through uh, moral injury and how that can affect the individual, the multi-layered facets of it, and possibly the wider community as well. Yeah, so we're very conscious that there have been a couple of episodes now where we've talked about moral injury. Mm. But actually, how much understanding is, is out there in terms of the different elements that make that up? So we thought it would be helpful to have a discussion about that and, and feed into that that conversation with you. Yeah. And before we had start this podcast, we had a discussion that this has got to be a multi-layered, multi-faceted perception of an individual. So it's never it's possibly never the event that caused the moral injury, it's the thoughts afterwards. It's the thinking that goes around of could I have done this or could I have done that? Could I have stopped this? Well, that comes back to that. Where is the point of injury? Mm, yeah. And it's with moral injury in particular, it's often not necessarily always the point of the event, but the point of a further realization at a later date. And that's it's the realization, the additional knowing of something mm-hmm. that leads to the injury. Yeah, potentially deeper understanding as well of yourself and a maturing of the person. So as we were talking to um, Dr. Dan Roberts, and he was saying about one of the people who he had coached through moral injury was that she was saying is, I could have done this more for females who were suffering in military service. But as he said to her, how much power, how much authority, how much change could you actually make during that time? And it's very, very little. People think you have more authority, more power than what you possibly possibly can do. And those restrictions possibly add on to, on top of that layer of that later perception of, I could have done more. This could have been more. I could have done this. I could have done that. There's all these coulda, woulda, shoulda questions. Yeah, quite often when you when you read texts or research about moral injury, it talks about an injury of omission or commission. Mm-hmm. And what it means by that omission or commission is an omission of an action on your or someone else's part or the commission or the, the, the act of an act on your or someone else's part. And that, in a military context, can quite often be about those catch-22 situations that people find themselves in. Yeah. Where the actions that you know you have to take, that you have no choice but to take, or that you are ordered to take, you know on one level that they are the correct thing to do in these circumstances, but that can or doesn't prevent it sometimes from creating that conflict with your own morals, beliefs, or values. Mm-hmm. And as I was discussing with you Ali, the other night, was I was having to think about definitions of moral injury. Mm-hmm. 
and I came to a kind of roundabout rough. Which this is something I'm still or work kind of working on is it's a breakdown in the belief or faith of a structure of an of an organisation, or a breakdown of the belief and structure of your belief in self. Yeah, because it can be both reflected about the external actions or your own internal, internal beliefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I say, these two definitions, I think we need a bit more development, but they're a good starting point. But I think that also comes back down to the challenge that you have with moral injury in that... How deep does this go? Where does it start? Yeah, one, how deep does it go? How, how does it start? But also the fact that it doesn't have cast-iron definition. No. Now, you and I have had that conversation, Rich, where mm. actually I don't think it should have a cast-iron definition because it becomes too prescriptive then. Yeah. And injury is so nuanced and so complex and is a very personal experience for each mm. individual, yet at the same point when you have that conversation with somebody, you can, during that conversation, go, I know what this is for you. Mm. Well, as you used the armed forces... Within a battle space, everybody will have a different perspective on something. So a commander would be told, right, go and take the subjective. These are the rules of engagement, you know what they are. And so the people in the men in the fire team, they'll know what their mission is and they'll take out the objective. Later on, they may find it, unfortunately, there's been a whole host of civilians that have been killed, but they may not have had that knowledge at that time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a bleeding then of that guilt and that shame, maybe a sense of betrayal within the command structure of going, you should have better intelligence of going, you should have known civilians were here, et cetera, et cetera. So then this where it goes really, really deep and encompasses the whole of that person, the whole of the self, the whole of that identity, and it's really, really hard to unpick. I think that's part part and parcel of that is because it starts to strike at the value of service. Mm-hmm. Because and I did read somewhere in so in our society, it's the condemnation of killing people. But in the military, that is the that's the opposite. The job is to go around and kill people, and so there's that contradiction in. We're here to. You, you can't kill people, that's against the law. Yeah, but in a military context, to get the objective, you do have to go around and kill people. And you come back home, and then it's like a split of that person. It's the um, one over here going, right, I did my job, did my duty. Then you might have the other one, other side going, yeah, but our law says this. Do you not think that quite often there's also, and I think a lot of the issue comes down to a lack of understanding within the civilian population of what is required of the individual when they are a member of the armed forces. Mm-hmm. Of So if I think about it, there is a massive probable blank space in terms of understanding when people look at our military deployed as keep as peacekeeping forces. 
they don't necessarily understand the impact of that or the the conflicting situations that that places people in in mm. order for them to fulfil that role. Yeah. They don't understand the moral dilemmas that our forces will be faced with on a daily basis because of the rules that they will be com- confined to and obligated to uphold to maintain the neutrality while while acting in that in that capacity. Mm. So, um, this possibly does then stem from being an island nation. Mm. So historically, we've always, always been based around a navy. We've always had a small army, small mili- small army. And so the reduction in the amount of people in the forces, there's less and less people that know about what they we get or they get up to these days, unless they obviously do follow social media. But it's, there's also that not understanding of what they're going through during operations because nobody can know unless you're actually there in that situation, that time and place. And I suppose that's sometimes the very nature of of moral injury as well, isn't it? It's those situations of dilemma. Of yeah. is that the double bind then, Ali? It is a double bind. It's damned if you do, damned if mm. you don't. It's a case of I have no other choice but to take this action, even though almost in this in the very centre of my core beliefs and values is screaming this this is wrong. My logical side knows that this has to happen. Mm-hmm. That there is no other option there, but that doesn't mean to say that it can't sit in direct conflict with my values or my sense of what what should be expected and what should be right in the world, because it's almost like an expectation injury, isn't it? And that's about what we expect from others, from maybe the command structure, from the organisation we work within to the people we work with and serve. It's an expectation injury. Yeah. Part of that is that, and I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again, it's the psychological contract, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. the unwritten belief that if I do this, I expect this in return, that this is right and fair and this is how it should be. Yet when that isn't met, depending on the level that that is not met at, can be the point of injury. Mm-hmm. And so that scenario I mentioned earlier, completely hypothetical one, mm-hmm. is then the trust and psychological safety within that command structure as well. So that leaves that service person going, how do I trust these people to do the right thing? And that can go in almost, well, that does go in any workspace as well, is is are the managers, are the leaders, are the CEOs, directors, etc doing the right thing and if they treat one person one way and let them get away with x y and z and i treat another person in a different way but they're not getting away with x y and z that leads to that psychological safety of going i can't trust these people they are not worthy of that level of respect that level of trust i think it leaves that point of vulnerability mm-hmm. in a situation where you should be safe 
and that in itself is a betrayal because you, particularly with when you're within the military, the entire ethos, all the values are about have the necessity to trust in, and have faith in the individuals round about you to protect your back. Mm. Uh huh. If that trust is broken and you can't trust them round about you, who can you? Who can you trust? What does that mean for your values and your belief systems? What does that mean for your service? For what the actions that you take? Yeah. And what does it mean? Because there's an element of value there of of what does it mean for the value I then have? Mm-hmm. If this is my experience. Yeah. So what me and Ali do is we can work with you content-free so you don't have to relive that experience. We can work with you to explore that experience or engage that experience in another way without us actually having to dive into what is really bothering you to a certain extent. Obviously, we have to know the scenarios of what is the problem, but we don't have to know the whole extent of that. So you're not having to relive that experience again and again, like you do with other therapists. Well, I suppose that comes down to the the, the principle that you and I both share, where the event in itself is neutral. Mm-hmm. It's the beliefs that we then adopt and we take away from it's, that. It's, that. Af- it's after the event. It's that self-reflection of what's going on, what's happened, and you go, oh, I'm lucky I survived X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And it's the change in our belief structure mm. that is the point of injury. Yeah. And that's why you and I, Rich, we work content free because we work with the belief structure, mm. not the event. Yeah. But I think it's also important to acknowledge the scope of the impact of moral injury because a lot of focus is put on post traumatic stress, complex post traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. And while there are conversations happening about moral injury, it's not to the same level. Okay. Yet moral injury, I know that and from some conversations you and I have when we work with that, actually the impact that has on an individual in a lot of ways often far surpasses the impact of post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. because it impacts at such a fundamental level. Yeah, it's a soul, it's a soul thing, isn't it, some people say? It's about values and beliefs. It's about who you believe yourself to be and what you believe about the environment you operate within and the beliefs of other people. It's beliefs. Mm -hmm. And those beliefs can potentially be installed in childhood by your parents, by society around you. And if those beliefs, as you're child is growing up aren't met are challenged aren't um satisfied in some way that could potentially lead to adverse childhood experiences so i don't think a question or an answer would ever arise is how much does the adverse child experience then go on to affect the adult with what they've experienced in the in that childhood well, I think it's safe to say that we know that our 
our childhood is something that we carry with us throughout our mm. lives. Yep. Those are the times when we learn quite a lot of our coping strategies. Those are the times when we learn our capacity for trust, our capacity for exploration. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those trusts are about how much we trust ourselves. Yeah. And well, also, what, sorry, Ali, what I'm saying is, is how much is there carryover from ACEs into the adult to deal with those moral injuries and how much of those moral injury insults, as it were, can come from that childhood experience? I think that's an impossible question to answer or satisfy in some way. I think that's very much dependent on the individual. And that comes back to that, where does the belief come from? Where's the Mm. point of injury? Yeah. And that's where sometimes actually that might go prior to the point of betrayal to find the point, the initial instigating point of that belief structure. Mm -hmm. Because it's the changing of that belief structure that changes the response you have today. Yeah. And a lot of those will be either part formed or wholly formed as we develop, as we grow. Mm. But that then leads potentially to situations where when something happens that then triggers that belief, it almost becomes like a magnifying situation or it might become a validation, which then triggers that point of injury, especially if those beliefs are anything but positive about ourselves. And sometimes those coping strategies will push us into situations that stretches us beyond our capacity to deal with. Particularly if we see ourselves as, you know, typically the rescuer or the person that always has Mm -hmm. to protect or the person that always steps up to the plate or steps up to the mark. And if that support is not reciprocated by the structures, when we do that and we gift that in that expectation, then that in itself is another layer of that injury. Mm-hmm. It's a betrayal. Yeah. Amongst other things as well. Amongst other things, yeah. So much as though we've spent a lot of time talking about this in the military context, Rich, it also happens in and can happen in all the different aspects of our community. It's a community issue, mm. isn't it? Yeah, I so, completely agree with that. So it can happen within our relationships, our friendships. It can happen within a civilian work environment, a team environment. Where I'd even go so far as to say national level. Mm-hmm. It can happen at a national level, yeah. And that's where sometimes it's important that there's almost a, a bigger awareness of that, of the impact that has, because it does strike right at the root of your sense of who you are and your relationship with yeah. the world. Especially if you've been brought up into a country, so we're going by national level now, especially if there's been a country, living in a country and going, right, these are the beliefs about this country, this is what the people of the country are supposed to stand for, yet the people in power go, well, no, screw that, we're going to do something completely different. And that leads to a lot of conflict, leads to a lot of unrest, leads to a lot of potential internal and external destabilisation within those folk. 
Yeah, and I also think the important thing to, I suppose, to talk about with moral injury is that moral injury is a generational thing. Mm-hmm. So the moral injury can be felt by successive generations on behalf of the people that actually experienced, in a way, the event itself. But it, again, that's because it comes down to the point of realisation. Mm-hmm. It's the realisation that's the point of injury. Yeah. Um, so classic thing is my mum would say to me, you don't know you were born. So in other words, what she was saying is your childhood is a lot easier than what mine has been. Mm. But we've had two completely different kind of childhoods. Mm-hmm. Yours was when it was, and you have no control over that. You can't blame me for how you lived or how you were brought up back then. It's a pointless kind of thing. But so that, that's what I'm saying is, that's what I'm getting, trying to get to is, previous generations can blame the younger ones for all the faults that, that they see within those, that younger generation, but that's not that generation's fault. They haven't grown up to develop and learn. Such. I think that's what I'm getting to. Yeah, it's almost like the experiences are totally different. Yes. The, yeah. the flip side of that is that the younger generation can feel the moral injury on behalf of the previous generation, mm-hmm. depending on when the realisation happens. And a lot of that is what we see, for instance, with um, British nuclear testing. Well, sorry? With the British nuclear testing, yeah. with the veterans involved in that, mm-hmm. with you know the, the previous podcast that we just released the other week with um, Paul Grayson, Operation Hurricane, where what's driving Paul is his, his understanding and his sense of outrage at the experiences of his grandfather. Mm-hmm. And we had the chat with earlier last year was um, Pierce Cross mm-hmm. and the traumas of border school, border mm-hmm. school syndrome. So again, he's attempting to rectify and help people of maybe his generation his generation and others who have suffered at the hands of being in a boarding boarding school. And again, an ailment within that will be not only the the experiences, but also a sense of moral outrage, of moral injury within that too, of the breaching of those contracts and expectations mm-hmm. that you have of other people, whether that's you know teachers within a school, the establishment, your parents, your relationships around yeah. about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that sounds very much like it's doom and gloom, but it is possible to move forward from moral injury. Absolutely, yeah. There is, as if you listen to chat we had with um, Dr. Dan Roberts, he's helped so many people move on from where they were. And our own experience of dealing with people as well, Ali. Yeah, and I think it's important, I suppose, where we work from, quite often you will hear people saying, I just want to get back to who I was. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say something really controversial because that's never going to happen. Yeah. You never can be that person you used to be. You never can be that person you used to be. Same exact person that started the same person that started this conversation. Yeah. You never stand in the same river twice. No. There is only one direction to move, and that's forward. Yeah. But that doesn't mean to say that what you can't build and reform from that 
is just as powerful and just as beneficial for you. And that's that's where you and I, Rich, come in working at mm-hmm. that belief structure, that value structure, to rebuild something that f- takes the pieces of that injury and forms something new. Yeah. And this is not an overnight process. No. But it is possible. Mm-hmm. So, Ali, what are your takeaways from this? Give me three very brief ones. That moral injury is incredibly nuanced and layered. Mm-hmm. There are infinite layers in terms of the experience, the structure, and the elements that, that you need to unpick to resolve it. That fundamentally you can move on from this and that it is possible to rebuild something just as good from that experience. Yeah. And that the point of moral injury isn't linked to the event, it's linked to the realisation. What about you, Rich? I'll say the number one thing is it is possible to move on leave all that crap behind if you don't need it. Mm-hmm. Number two is somewhere that's happened is related to that event. It is a breakdown in that belief, that faith, in that institution, organisation, people, whomever it is, somewhere it has collapsed or is in the process of collapsing. Number three, this takes time. It's not an overnight process. You know, it may take, you know, so many months, days, weeks, or years to get this resolved. But it is possible. It is possible. Yeah. So, if you would like to talk to either Rich or I, some more, then... Our email addresses are in the podcast episode okay. and show notes. They're available and you can contact us through What Makes the Difference through the website, through our LinkedIn profiles and through our Facebook page. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you please do much. like, subscribe. And if you find this useful, please do share with other people. You never know who may help. I would be very interested in your comments and feedback. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you.